everyone. I'm Sam. And I'm Sean. And you're listening to Key to the Case. Welcome back or welcome to the show if this is your first time listening. We've had a lot of new listeners recently. So thank you all for supporting and listening to the show. You're all amazing. And special thank you to Annabelle for requesting the case we're covering today. It's a bizarre one, and I'm a little surprised it's not more well-known. If you all haven't done so already, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would be really happy if you gave us a rating or review wherever you listen to our show. And thank you to those of you who have already done that. Okay, let's dive into today's case. Diane Wolf was 45 years old at the time of her disappearance in 1999. Diane grew up in Pennsylvania among a large family of seven children, four girls, and three boys. I don't know what it's like to have that many siblings, but I can imagine it shapes you in some ways and also that you'd never be bored. Diane lived in Hanover, Pennsylvania, which had a population of 14,400 in 1999 when Diane disappeared. Dan got married and had two children, a son and a daughter, whom she was known to dote on. Diane started work as a laborer at Hanover Foods in 1980, where she was characterized as a hard worker who never missed work. And I assume you could tell from the job role of laborer, but Hanover Foods was not a grocery store. It's referred to as a plant in most sources or a warehouse. And Diane's mom also worked at Hanover Foods and operated the same machine as Diane. But her mom worked second shift from 3 to 11 p.m. And Diane worked third shift from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Two years after Diane started this job, her husband passed away suddenly from a heart attack, which left her grieving and as a single parent to her two children. At some point after her husband's death, Diane and her coworker Merle, who she had worked with for about two years, became acquainted with one another. What started as a friendship grew into a romantic relationship over the course of a few years, and the pair got married in 1985. Merle worked second shift, so they didn't really cross paths at work except for when Merle's shift was ending and he was a supervisor and when Diane's shift was beginning. So when are they spending quality time together? Because they obviously will pass each other by when his shift is ending and her shift is beginning. But, you know, when she's off of work, I'm assuming he's sleeping and, you know, vice versa. So it's like, when when are they actually spending time together? Yeah, I had the same question. I don't know on the days they both worked. I don't know how much time they were able to really spend with each other. And I don't know what kind of impact that could have had on their relationship, if any at all. But I suspected the same thing, that Merle would likely be sleeping when Diane got home from work. Although I don't know his exact sleep schedule. Yeah, I suppose I didn't think about weekends when I posed that question. Because that's how we... You know, the first couple of years of dating, we we were only able to see each other on weekends because we were in two different cities. So, and they could have had overlapping or not overlapping schedules, worked the same exact day. So they would have presumably two days where they both weren't working. So, right. 
And I can tell you in their spare time, one hobby they enjoyed was going to antique steam tractor shows together. Diane didn't have an affinity for steam tractors like Merle did, but she was interested in the yard sales that would often occur around the shows. Diane was a social and bubbly person by all accounts, and she seemed to bring the family together. I read so many times in this case that Diane loved to talk, and she was definitely a people person. Her kids were her world, and at the time of her disappearance, her daughter was 21 and her son was 20, and they were both out of the house. Diane was at a particularly exciting point in her life before she went missing because her daughter was expecting her first child. She would be a grandmother for the first time. She lived in Virginia, but she was about to move to Hanover before the birth where she planned to live with her mom and Merle. She was set to move back just days before Diane disappeared, and Diane and Merle planned to drive down to Virginia to help with the move. Diane was thrilled with her daughter moving back home, She was planning a baby shower, she put a crib on layaway, and she even had four weeks of time off from work scheduled for the year to assist her daughter once she gave birth. It was apparent to everyone in Diane's life that she was happy and she had a lot she was looking forward to. Yeah, it seemed like everything was positive in her life at that point. Yes. So on Thursday, January 28th, 1999, Diane was scheduled to work her usual shift, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., When she arrived, she relieved her mom from the machine they shared. It was a standard shift, and when it ended at 7, a coworker gave Diane some Avon beauty products that she ordered, and Diane told her that she would pay her for them when she returned to work that night. That may seem like a random detail to include, but it does show some forward thinking. She planned to go back to work that night, as she would any other day. Diane left Hanover Foods just after 7 a.m. and she headed to her home, which was just about a 10-minute drive away. She stopped by her house where she dropped off her lunchbox and the cosmetic products, but she wasn't there for long because she made a deposit of $300 at All First Bank located on Dart Drive at 7.33 a.m., about a six-minute drive away from her home. So she really stopped by solely to drop off her stuff, it seems which seemed a little odd to me. I was wondering why she wouldn't go to the ATM on her way home. The bank wasn't necessarily directly on her way home, but it just seems more convenient to stop there on the way. I suppose my only thought with why she would go home first is maybe there was something in her lunchbox that she needed to refrigerate right away instead of making the trip to the bank on the way home. She needed to go home first. Yeah, that's a good idea. Like maybe she didn't finish her meal that night and wanted to refrigerate the leftovers. I was also thinking maybe she didn't bring the cash with her to work that day and it was at home. So she needed to pick that up to make the deposit or she could have even just wanted to change her clothes. I don't know what she wore to work. Either way, I don't think it's really a relevant detail in this case. Now, it's unclear where Merle was when Diane stopped by the house, and I know we kind of wondered if he would be sleeping at that time. A 2018 article from the Evening Sun cited that state investigators said Diane was last seen by Merle at home. Again, I think it's possible he was asleep, so maybe he didn't actually see her, but if they did see each other, it's safe to assume their interaction was brief since she left for the bank right after she dropped the stuff off. 
There was surveillance footage of Diane when she made the deposit, and it's a grainy image. I'll try to share it on her Instagram. It appeared that she was alone in the car, but it's hard to discern much else from the image. There were no reports from police that Diane was in any distress during their review of the footage, nor were there any indicators that anything was wrong at all. It looked like a routine stop at an ATM. And this would be the last known sighting of Diane. Reportedly, Diane typically filled up her gas tank on Fridays, and she had a tanning salon appointment scheduled for that evening. Diane never showed up for that appointment. Additionally, the Evening Sun reported that Diane mentioned to Merle that she planned to go grocery shopping that morning. Now, it shouldn't be, but the details regarding Diane being reported missing are a little fuzzy. Diane's mom was surprised when she didn't show up for her shift at work. She always saw Diane before Diane began working since they operated the same machine. I would also think if Merle were working that night, Diane's mom would have notified him that she didn't show up. One coworker suggested that maybe Diane had overslept, but that didn't sit right with Diane's mom. According to a 2006 article from the Evening Sun, Merle discovered Diane's lunchbox sitting on the kitchen table at some point that day. He couldn't recall how long it took him to call police, but he did recall that the following morning, so Saturday, January 30th, Diane's family came to the house to look for Diane. He also said he became concerned when a friend she was supposed to meet that night called their home asking where she was. I don't know how the friend fits into this whole case, but I guess Merle was at home that night. That part was a little confusing to me. I assumed he was working that night or, I mean, from 3 to 11, but then to find out that he got a phone call at home from her friend just made things even more convoluted. That same article indicated that family members notified police when Diane couldn't be found by Saturday night, January 30th. But a more recent report from the Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers page about this case stated that Merle reported her missing to the police on the Sunday after she disappeared around 9.30 a.m. So it was either Saturday night or Sunday morning. Once the police were called, a detective was dispatched from the Conewago Township Police, at which point Merle told the detective he had not seen Diane for a quote-unquote period of time. That's about as vague as it gets. I mean, on any given day, if you went missing, I would be able to recall the last time I saw you. Can you think of a scenario where you wouldn't be able to remember the last time you saw me? No. No, absolutely yeah. not. And I have to assume police probed more with that question, and he eventually, I would think, he eventually figured out when the last time he saw her was, and maybe that just wasn't reported on, but... That's what was generally reported, that he said it had been basically some time since he had seen her. To give him the benefit of the doubt, it could be related to their work schedules, Merle working second shift, Diane working third shift. Like we said, they probably don't spend as much time together on the days they both worked like a couple who works nine to five would. The detective spoke with the rest of her family, neighbors, friends, anyone who might have a clue as to where she could be, and everyone was just as clueless as the next person. Two days after Diane was last seen, Diane's sister spotted Diane's car, a 1994 Pontiac Grand Prix, in the parking lot of her place of employment when she arrived there just before 7 a.m. She worked as a manager at Wise Markets, which is a grocery store. 
So how far away are their two places of employment? So Diane's place of employment was about six to seven minutes away, a six or seven minute drive away from Weiss Markets. And Weiss Markets is about a 10 minute drive away from Diane's last known location, the bank. Her sister was initially filled with excitement. She thought she might find Diane in the car, but instead she was met with a bizarre scene. The first detail that stood out to her was that Diane's car was parked toward the back of the parking lot, more or less the type of spot you would park in on a really busy day where there are few spots to choose from. This struck her sister immediately because Diane was known to always try to get the best parking spot. She would even circle a lot for up to 10 minutes to wait until she found a good spot close to the front of the store. She did not mess around with getting a spot right by the entrance. I simply do not have the patience to circle around trying to find a good spot. Yeah, I always take the first one I see immediately. Doesn't really matter how how far it is, but I I suppose that is weird if she is known for finding a the closest spot possible that she would be in the back of the of the lot. Exactly. It's a red flag right off the bat. And especially, this is January in Pennsylvania. It was cold. So if she's someone who typically wants to park close to the entrance, I can imagine on a cold day that is going to be even more true for her. So I think that's a clear indicator that she did not park the car there herself. Or if she did, there was some reason that made her divert from her usual behavior. I mentioned how Diane would usually get gas on Fridays, but I didn't read whether she had a full tank or not when they found the car. That is unknown. I also didn't read that police went to local gas stations or the gas station Diane favored, assuming she had a favorite gas station, to see if employees interacted with her or saw her that day. Diane's car was frozen over. The low temperature that day was 21 degrees Fahrenheit and the high was 41 degrees or a range from negative 6 degrees Celsius to 5 degrees Celsius. Point being that it makes sense why her car would be frozen over. Since it was found that morning, it's very possible it had been parked there overnight and with those temperatures, you would expect it to freeze over. It was also noted that her car was covered in a light, dusty coating. It's often described as the kind of coating that would accumulate on your car after driving on a dirt or gravel road or possibly in a quarry. Hanover is not a major city, but it's not a rural community where it might not be out of the ordinary to see a car covered in dust like this. The nearest quarry is located about a six-minute drive from Diane's home and a 15-minute drive away from Weiss Market, so not very far at all. Yeah, so Sam just showed me, for those listening, Sam just showed me the map of Hanover, and it's not a rural community by any means. I mean, the the within the city, it's very developed, a lot of paved roads, and it's kind of looking around the map, poking around, and in order to get to any of the dirt or gravel roads or to the core, you need to drive outside the city limits, and it seems likely that her car was driven outside of those limits and then driven back to the grocery store and parked. I don't see any other way to get, you know, a thick layer of dust that you would get after driving through a gravel lot if you're within the city. So you would have to drive outside and then drive back. 
with what I've heard so far, I don't see really any reason why Diane would drive on these dirt or gravel roads or to the quarry. I agree. I don't see any reason either. And the thing about Hanover that's interesting is it's kind of, I don't want to say isolated, but it seems like this, like you said, developed city. And then outside of it, surrounding it, you don't have a lot of other developed cities of the same size. It's very different from where we live. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is once you're out of Hanover, you probably could get to a dirt road or a gravel road in a relatively short period. You're not driving a great distance to get to one. But if any of our listeners live there or are familiar with this area, I think it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this case because, of course, we're looking at this on a map, but someone who actually has lived there is going to have interesting insight, I think. So inside the car was Diane's cell phone, but not much else. Her purse and wallet were missing, and those items still have not been recovered. There's also never any activity on her credit cards or any bank activity after she disappeared. Diane's family felt concerned when they learned her cell phone was in the car because although this was 1999 and people weren't as connected to their phones as they are today, Diane always took it with her everywhere she went. Police were called to the location of her car, and after they gave it a quick once-over and didn't find anything overtly suspicious, they told her sister to drive it home. Which is disappointing. It seems like police work 101 to not let that be contaminated. This belongs to a missing person. It should have been taken in and forensically examined. It seems possible that the dust could have been compared to dust from any potential areas of interest. What I think happened here is that this was a missing persons case and it was early in the investigation. They probably thought, oh, she'll show up. And they didn't give the car the proper attention as they likely would have in a homicide investigation. Diane's daughter told the Evening Sun, quote, I think the cops think she just ran away, but that's not my mom. I know my mom. If we could find her alive, I would take her back without any questions. But if something happened to her, we deserve to know what happened, end quote. I think she's absolutely right. Further negating the idea that Diane ran away was the fact that no clothes, jewelry, or suitcases were missing from her home. Her family said she had a tendency to overpack when she would take trips, so to bring nothing would be strange. She also had a lot that she was looking forward to. She was going to be a grandma for the first time. Exactly. Yeah, this would be a really strange time to up and leave all of a sudden. Also, why would she deposit $300 if she were about to take off? Wouldn't you want that cash? Now, if she wanted to retrieve that money, she would be unable to do so without leaving a record of it. Lastly, no one believed she could leave her family, especially her children. Early statements from police indicated that they didn't believe there was any proof of foul play in Diane's case. Diane's family was dissatisfied with the way local police handled her disappearance, particularly their handling of Diane's car. So the Conewago Township Police handed the case over to the Pennsylvania State Police, but the state police claimed the Township Police did a thorough investigation. When the state police got a hold of the car, they dusted it for fingerprints, and they didn't find any, quote-unquote, other fingerprints. 
I guess that would mean they didn't find fingerprints that couldn't be matched to anyone. But back to the car for a moment. When Diane's sister asked her coworkers who worked that weekend if they saw the car, they indicated that it was not there at 10 p.m. on Saturday. However, it was there by Sunday at 4 a.m. This means that if the coworkers are correct, Diane's car was parked there for over 24 hours since it was found on Monday morning. It also made sense to me that someone, not Diane, would drop it off overnight to avoid being seen. But what do you make of the car being parked at Diane's sister's place of employment? Yeah, let's say she was abducted in her own car and whoever abducted her drove off somewhere, obviously some sort of dirt or gravel road or the quarry and then came back and they were thinking, where can I park this? That would be inconspicuous. I would think a grocery store with a large parking lot, you know, you could pretty much blend in, especially if it is a 24-hour grocery store. Do you know if it, if uh, Wise Markets was a 24-hour grocery store? No, it's actually not. They have pretty standard hours. I think 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., at least today. And I, I believe that was the case back then, too. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I suppose the point still stands. It would be pretty easy to just park the car in there and no one would really think anything of it. I wouldn't think. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the coworkers noticed the car even. So that makes me think it was probably one of the only cars that was parked there. But it, your point is interesting because it's kind of different from the two thoughts I had. I was initially thinking maybe the person wanted it to be found quickly. They knew Diane. They knew where her sister worked. So they parked it there thinking her sister would find it pretty quickly. And Diane's family even suggested that idea. But then I was thinking along the lines of, okay, Diane didn't place her car here, most likely. But if someone else did, how did they leave the scene? Were two people involved? Did they simply walk home from the grocery store? Or was their car already parked in the lot? And if it were parked in the lot already, does that mean the grocery store was the point of contact between Diane and the person who seemingly abducted her? Didn't you mention that her husband said that she wanted to go grocery shopping that morning? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking, well, maybe she went to the grocery store. She encountered someone in the parking lot before she was able to go in. They forced their way into her car or it's someone she knew and she let them into the car to talk or something. And what happened from there? I don't know. But that kind of theory opens up the possibility that the person didn't have the knowledge that her sister worked at this store. And if this did happen, again, I think this would be before she even made it into the grocery store since there were no groceries in the car. The biggest issue with this idea is that the coworkers reportedly didn't mention any other lone cars in the parking lot. I would think if they noticed Diane's car, they might have noticed another car sitting there Friday and Saturday night, unless that person moved their car at some point. But I can still get on board with someone placing it there so it would be found quickly. I could go either way. Police have said they don't believe it's a coincidence that her car was found there. And there were no witnesses who came forward to say they witnessed anything happen 
related to Diane's car outside of the coworkers who stated they saw it there. So nobody witnessed, obviously nobody witnessed an abduction occur. There didn't appear to be much for police to work with in Diane's case, and Merle has never been considered a suspect. I don't know if all of his time could be accounted for, meaning he had a strong alibi on the day she disappeared or what, but apparently there's no evidence that he was involved in her vanishing and police ruled him out early on. And I think that's pretty strong to rule him out. There must be something definitive for them to say he could not have been responsible, or at least I hope there is. Diane's family still held hope for a while, and they've always kept in contact with the police. Some family members even conducted their own searches in the woods nearest where the car was found, and they looked in quarries where the dust may have come from, but found nothing. After Diane disappeared, Diane's husband, Merle, told the Evening Sun, quote, I stay at home, I go to work, and I come back home. My thoughts are, there's no way she is alive, end quote. It's depressing. But I think he's being pretty realistic. No one could believe Diane would leave willingly. But her family, again, still tried to maintain hope. Diane's sister kept a picture of Diane up on a bulletin board near the entrance of Weiss Markets. One time, someone, we don't know who, removed the picture. She couldn't find it, but she, of course, replaced it with a new one. On another occasion, someone pinned the picture up backwards, She found this suspicious, and it could be, but it could also just be someone being a jerk. It's hard to say. Billboards were put up with a picture of Diane, along with the question, do you know what happened to me? The signs also advertised a cash reward of an unknown amount. These billboards served as a constant reminder of the fact that Diane was still missing. Tips came in after they were put up, but none of them led anywhere. There were a couple of sightings of Diane. One sighting was in the nearby town of Gettysburg, and that came five days after she was last seen by a man who claimed he knew Diane personally. That sighting couldn't be confirmed, and nothing came of that. And the other sighting couldn't be confirmed either. So the case was pretty quiet for a while. And once it had been seven years since Diane disappeared, Merle made moves to have Diane declared legally dead. He didn't believe Diane was alive any longer, and assets that had both of their names on them were tied up. Merle's home and car were in both his name and Diane's name. With Diane declared dead, he could collect what he believed to be two life insurance policies that covered Diane for a total of $150,000. Merle also indicated that there would be about $1,500 in wages and benefits that Diane was owed from Hanover Foods, as well as four weeks of paid vacation. Merle explained that Hanover Foods would not give him Diane's last paycheck after she went missing. During the hearing, Merle was asked questions like, before Diane disappeared, had she ever been unaccounted for for any period of time? To which Merle answered no. When asked if they ever experienced any serious relationship issues, Merle testified that they had no serious issues. They likely wanted to ensure before Diane was declared legally dead, that Diane didn't leave Merle because of relationship issues. Diane's grown children attended the hearing, and when Diane's son was asked if there were any reason why Merle's request to declare Diane dead should be denied, her son said there was no reason to deny the request. But that's not all that was heard from Diane's son. 
He testified that several days before she vanished, she confided in her mom that she was upset because she had not written a will yet, and neither had Merle. She worried that if something were to happen to one of them, would her kids be taken care of? He said that that statement was a sign that something was wrong. But Diane's mom didn't really probe into the matter too much when she brought it up, so we don't have a reason as to why Diane was upset at that moment and why she was so worried. How old were Diane and Merle? They in their 50s? She I'm was assuming? 45. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. And I yeah. think he was around the same age. That it does seem kind of early to talk, start talking about writing a will. I agree. That's not really the age where I would expect someone to be deeply concerned about it. I can see if she had just said, man, I should get around to writing a will. I wouldn't find that that strange, but it's also the timing, right? Yeah. I mean, her first husband died really young, right? And she's not having any more kids. She has her two kids. She has her husband that she's going to spend the rest of her life with, presumably. So I would think she has everyone in line to put in put in her will. So why not just do it now? Because nothing's going to change. Right. Why not just get it in order? I think what's weird is how elevated her anxiety was about the matter. Again, I go back to, did something trigger that anxiety? Or to your point, was she just kind of thinking about her life at that point? I don't know because her mom didn't really dig into it. Or maybe if she tried to, Diane didn't really give any clear answers. But I mean, we're talking five days before she disappeared. I think you have to look at this as strange. (laughs) That is, yeah, that is really odd timing. Yeah. I mean, it could be a coincidence, some kind of red herring, or it could be that Diane really had a reason to be worried for her safety that we don't know about. And from what I could gather, this was not something that Diane frequently expressed concern about. The last comment of note from that day was that Merle said he couldn't recall how long he waited to report Diane as a missing person. I mentioned this kind of early on, and it is baffling. I would think the day your wife goes missing would be forever etched in your brain. So to not remember at least the day in which she was reported missing, but you can remember that you couldn't get her last paycheck something's a little off there. I know it doesn't prove anything, and I'm honestly not even that suspicious of Merle, but I imagine if you were to go missing, I would not care about your last paycheck. I couldn't care less. I understand wanting to get access to the life insurance funds eventually, but who even cares about that last paycheck? And maybe it's because Merle and Diane had the same employer, and he kept working there after she passed, so there was kind of a constant reminder of it, Or maybe his attorney sat him down and walked through all the potential financial benefits he should have gotten. I just can't imagine worrying about that last paycheck. Yeah, I do agree with that. Like, who cares about what was it, a thousand bucks seven years later? But I suppose I I can play devil's advocate here. You know, it's been seven years. It, It went from a dual income household to a single income household. Maybe he needs all the money he can get. Maybe he didn't make that much and that 1500 bucks or 1000 bucks, whatever it was, could go a long way. Right. Yeah. You make good points. Can't, can't argue that one. Ultimately, Merle's request was granted and Diane was declared legally dead in 2006. 
According to the Evening Sun, the judge said about the matter, quote, I'm sure the last seven years have been extremely difficult for you and your family, and hopefully today's proceedings will give some closure, end quote. Now, some people might view Merle's request to declare Diane legally dead right at the seven-year mark to be suspicious, or it could simply be viewed as someone who has accepted the reality that Diane is likely gone and they have to be able to move on with their life to some degree. Some might question if Merle had a hand in Diane's disappearance. I mean, he was the spouse. Of course he should be investigated. And the financial gains here could be motive, but he'd be really playing the long game to have to wait it out for seven years to reap these financial benefits. I'm sorry, I can't remember. Did he have an alibi? That's what I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. They ruled him out. So it seems that the way they could do that is through an alibi, but it's unclear how he spent the day of her disappearance. Right, because presumably he was just sleeping. Or at home, yeah. Yeah, just at home. But obviously no one can corroborate that because no one else was at home with him. I know. I'm wondering if he worked that day. I don't know. He showed up at 3 And maybe somehow his whereabouts were confirmed. Maybe he wasn't at home. At the same time, if he did have something to do with it, maybe he didn't know that it would take seven years to reap the benefits of the life insurance policy. Oh, I didn't think about that. I was kind of assuming he would know that. But maybe that was news to him after she disappeared. But again, police ruled him out. And as far as we know... There's no evidence to support that he was involved. And Merle died of natural causes at the age of 58, just six years after Diane was declared dead in August 2012. It's unclear if Merle had health issues or the stress of Diane's disappearance played a role in his health. But it's hard not to wonder since he was only 58. After Merle died, it came out that Diane had taken part in a number of extramarital affairs, some of which involved coworkers. What? You're just now mentioning this? Yeah, I know. Sorry. I mentioned it in the order in which I did because I wanted to tell the story in a chronological way, as we always do, and chronological in the sense of when this information came out because for years, this was not reported that Diane had these affairs. So that's why I did it that way. Sorry to kind of throw that at you and all of our listeners. But yeah, it came out after he died. Like affairs as in plural? It was multiple different people? More than one. Wow. Allegedly, one couple who worked with Diane threatened her, but they moved to the West and nothing seemed to ever come of that. According to ABC 27, Diane changed her phone number shortly before she disappeared because she was being harassed by a woman she worked with. But police cleared that woman, and she is not considered a suspect. Again, the timing of this. I mean, just before she goes missing, she's changing her phone number? Like, it seems like that would be related somehow. But apparently, they cleared this woman. I would want to know if they cleared the people this woman was tied to, but I didn't read that. Now, I mentioned this came out after Merle died. And I did publicly, but I have to assume police had this information well before his death. And it seems like police would have asked Merle about this. 
I couldn't find any details around if Merle had awareness of these affairs Diane was having, but considering there was more than one and most of them were with her coworkers, who were also Merle's coworkers, there's a good chance he was aware. Although he did testify that there were no serious issues in their relationship during the hearings to declare Diane dead. If he were aware of these affairs, it would not serve him to share that information at that point. It's possible the judge could have viewed this as a reason to not declare Diane dead, or maybe it would have elongated the process. I suppose it's possible Diana Merle had an arrangement where it was okay for her to have these relationships, but we can't assume that. Merle never made any disparaging remarks about Diane to the media, which may sound like, why would he? But just look at the Tina Satchel case. Richard made little digs about Tina when he could, and we know how that has turned out. So bottom line, it's unknown if Merle knew about Diane's fears, but in my opinion, there's a high probability he did. Wow. I mean, so maybe they had an open marriage, or maybe he found out a couple years after she disappeared, and that helped him move on. And that's why he you know, reap the benefits of the life insurance policy right at the minimum time allotted to to do that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it could have expedited his process and moving on, sadly. I mean, I'm sure he would still want resolution, but as far as declaring her dead, I don't know if it made that decision easier. We can't say, but yeah, I don't know if he knew and he never addressed it. And now Merle is no longer here, so we will never know if he knew, probably. Another strange piece of information emerged in 2018. When investigators did a walkthrough of Diane and Merle's home, they found a hotel card on her nightstand. Before I tell you more, what would you think a hotel card means? I would assume it's involved in whatever extramarital affairs she's partaking in, right? Oh, Okay. But I guess I was meaning, what is a hotel card? What do you... A key card to get into a hotel room. Oh, okay, no. That's actually not what it was, but I can see why you would think that. I'll, sh- I'll show you a picture of this card. And we will share this on our Instagram too. So it's a card that says traveler safety tips, and it has a list of 10 different tips. I, the card is extremely dirty, which I found odd. Like, why is this so dirty? Where did this card come from? But I haven't told you what was on the back of the card. I only showed you one side, the only side that has been shared publicly. On the other side of the card, a phone number was written down. According to the Pennsylvania State Police lead investigator, Scott Dennish, the FBI traced this number to a, quote, Maryland man. Quick note, Hanover is very close to Maryland. It would only take about 10 minutes to cross state lines into the state of Maryland. When police reached this man, he claimed the number was an old fax number and that he didn't know Diane, nor did he have any idea why she would have written his phone number down. Dinesh said that they tracked the man down again sometime a few years prior to 2018 when he was living in York, Pennsylvania, and the man claimed he never spoke with police and denied again that he had ever met Diane. When investigators attempted to set up an interview with the man, he left the area and hired an attorney. And York, Pennsylvania is located just under 20 miles away or 32 kilometers away from Hanover. 
This whole situation is perplexing because this phone number could mean something, but it could also mean nothing. It's possible Diane quickly wrote a phone number down and she could have transposed two of the numbers. But the bigger question to me is, would it be normal for Diane to have phone numbers that would be associated with Maryland? Did she know many people in Maryland? Yeah, you mentioned Maryland was extremely close to Hanover. So maybe she had some coworkers that lived on the Maryland side. Yeah, that's possible. I also wonder where the hotel card came from. If this were in our house, I'm fairly certain I'd be able to tell where it came from. I don't know if Diane had even stayed at a hotel recently. And why did this man say the police never spoke to him? It appeared that investigators were re-reviewing reports or notes from the case, and it was noted that this man was spoken to. So either he's lying or the police took down incorrect information. But to make things even stranger, he then moves and hires an attorney. Normally, I take no issue with people obtaining legal counsel in the cases we talk about. But that's when we're talking about people who are much closer to the victim. In this case, it's a little strange, at least to me, that he left and and hired one. But maybe he just wanted to completely protect himself. Yeah, I don't find it too strange. I mean... His phone number was found on a you know, a piece of paper that was in the possession of a woman who went missing. So I, if he had nothing to hide, maybe it's a little strange, but he was probably just covering his bases. But then why move suddenly? Yeah, that, that part is weird. That, that part might be is weirder. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Lastly, I'd like to know, what did this man do for a living? Was this a personal fax number or work fax number? If it were a work fax number, it could be a clue as to what was going on in Diane's life at that time. But even after all this discussion, it could have simply been that Diane got someone's phone number wrong. Maybe while she was on the phone with someone, she quickly wrote it down on the first piece of scrap paper she could find, and she wrote it down incorrectly. I wish we had Merle's take on this phone number, the whole situation. I wish we had his take on the whole situation, because if this were in our house, I could probably be able to figure out what the phone number was or make a reasonable assumption, but we don't have that in this case. Police have continued to work the case and they have declared that they are certain that Diane was a victim of foul play and that someone in the Hanover area has information about her disappearance. But leads have been sparse over recent years. Several family members of Diane's even attended a Montel Williams show where a psychic was the guest of the episode. When Diane's family asked her where Diane could be, the psychic suggested Diane might be in Omaha, Nebraska. Diane didn't have any ties to Nebraska, nor did anyone in her family. I'm not even sure how you investigate that lead, but I believe the police tried to look into it with no luck. So with the information we have, it seems clear that, as police suggested, Diane was a victim of foul play. Lead investigator Scott Dennish told ABC 27 that he believes there are probably a few people who know where Diane is. Her car is probably the most concerning detail to me, but there's been no sign of Diane to indicate that she is still out there somewhere. I don't feel like I have anything to support Merle possibly being involved, but I think he should have been investigated more. I personally think she was likely abducted, most likely from the grocery store. And if that's true, I don't think Merle would abduct his own wife. He wouldn't need to do that. 
I have doubts about the abduction taking place at the grocery store. I mean, no one saw anything. And did someone who had it out for Diane just happen to run into her while she was about to get groceries? I think those coworkers she had affairs with are interesting in this case. And anybody tied to them? Were they working that day? Did they have alibis? There are a lot of unanswered questions. What are your final thoughts? I think the affairs bring up a really interesting dynamic to this. My thoughts are Merle didn't find out until after, but maybe you mentioned it was multiple affairs, plural. Maybe one of the men she was messing around with found out about another man that she was in a relationship with. Oh. And he didn't like that. Yeah. And he was experiencing some sort of heartbreak or something, or, you know, it could have been a crime of passion. Yeah, like if he confronted her about it right. at the grocery store that day, got in her car, confronted her, things went South. awry. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. This is all assuming Merle didn't know anything about it. I, if Merle knew something about it, and I don't know, it's hard to say because he said he didn't. Right. Yeah, Actually, just, he I, didn't I, say he didn't know, he just never addressed it. Right. I don't know there's there's a lot of different things going on right now in this. And yeah, I, I don't think she ran away. No, it, it sounded like you know with her grandchildren on the way, she was very excited about that. She took a month off of work. I think there was some, definitely some foul play involved with the men in her life. Yes, I think it's very likely that what happened, to Diane, ties back to the affairs she was having and the people that may have been involved with. But I'm afraid that this case will never get solved unless either Diane is found or somebody speaks up. And police are saying likely multiple people know. So somebody has to come forward at some point to get resolution. Yeah, maybe it was the wife of one of the men yeah, that, she, that's that possible she was having too. an affair with. Yeah. Um, possible. I will leave you with some kind words from Diane's son about his mom. He told Fox 43, quote, my mother gave us the ability to look at the best in people. Her heart was bigger than her body. That about sums it up. Bad things happen to people every day, but your attitude and how you react to things is key, end quote. Anyone with information related to Diane's disappearance is asked to anonymously contact the Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers toll-free at 1-800-4PA-8477. Thank you all for joining us for this case. Definitely share your thoughts with us. You can always do that on our Instagram or you can email us. Definitely want to know what you all think about this one. That is all for now. We'll be back next week with a new case. Bye. Bye.